Welcome to the first episode of 2014 for Behind the DM Screen. It is January and we are three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out. There's your intro. Randall. All right. You get to go first. Let me start the timer. Go. All right. Well, I am starting off this year with an announcement, and that's that um, for the next six months or a little bit longer, I will not be on behind the DM screen. What? Um, I know, right? This is BS. It is. Um, My love. No, quite frankly, it's a simple reason. BS is I, lo- <laughs> I love doing the podcast. It's it, it's been a great amount of fun. But part of the thing that makes the podcast work is the fact that each one of us are talking about our games. Well, over the next six months or so, I'm probably not going to be running any games. I mean, working on some other projects and and probably building games uh, as far as building some campaign stuff in anticipation of uh, whatever the new D&D is going to be called coming out next. Um, And that's scheduled for this summer, but we don't know when in the summer. So um, I'm hoping to restart up um, at that point. Um, after a little campaign prep has been done and things like that, um, probably a home brew this time is what I'll be working for, um, using a combination of home brewed stuff and um, prepared modules, but fitted into a home brew setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, I'll miss you guys, but it's um, probably the best thing, and that way maybe we can get another DM in here, and um, that's equal to the task that Mike and Jeff bring, and uh, um, and. Talk about some uh, interesting games that way. Um, that said, in the month of December, I we didn't run a game. So <laughs> I didn't have a game um, as a result. So I don't really have a whole lot to talk about. So what's, uh, hap- what's happened to the games that you've been running? Well, I've actually come to the realization that um, other than, uh, and of course I'm probably biased because they're family members, other than Anna and my son Ian, who's 18, he's an adult himself, um, I'm not getting the same. I'm not getting the kind of players that I want in my game. Hmm. Um, and that's fair. I mean, they're not bad players, it, uh, but they're all they're largely power gamers. Um, and they and they expect a um, that kind of uh, almost like a reward structure hmm. that, um, you know, um, I think they're still very much locked into the fact that uh you in like video games you do a certain amount of quests and things like that and then you get x amount of stuff and you can then you know buy your magic items or upgrade or whatever and i don't want to run a campaign like that i've mm-hmm. never really been interested i don't mind characters getting magic items and things not at all but you know i don't those things are random and happenstance or built into the story specifically and not a part of some kind of you know upgrade mechanic um and, and and that's and that's not to say that that's not a bad way to play. Right. It's just not my way to play. You, you just and have so, you just have two groups of people who have two different styles of play, and it's just not, ex- it's not exactly. Mission. It's it's really not. And I've tried really hard, and it, it's you know I've just come to the real, realization that you know it's I'm not having I'm really not having fun. I'm not looking forward to preparing the games. I have very little player buy in, mm-hmm. and that's why you know I think that's that's part of it. So, um, it's interesting. You bring up a, an interesting point about kind of people, you know, the expectations of tabletop RPGs based on computer games and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that 
um, computer, you know, a lot of modern computer games came from older computer games, which came from D and D. You know, came from a way to kind of build games, on, right? You know, build computer games around the way a tabletop game works, mm-hmm. and and yet we as DMs, I think, fall back to what we know from computer games when we're running our tabletop games, and the players are expecting what they are used to seeing in computer games. Yes. But and see, that's, I th- that's such a weird problem. It is strange, but I think I think it's even more specific than that. I actually think it's it's specifically as a result of of the new generation of um single player rpgs and mmos um there's a built-in um reward mechanic that encourages further play because well you're paying for a service (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they want you to keep playing and so it's it's you know it's grind upgrade grind upgrade grind upgrade and that's um it's very habit forming and it's very um uh it makes you feel good because you think you've you know You've now done something. You've rewarded yourself, whereas the reward should be playing the game itself, right? And not necessarily the stuff you get in game. And I think, and that's not. Like I said I, I want to emphasize, and for anyone listening out there, I want to emphasize this is not necessarily a bad way to want to play the game. That's fine. It's not my way that I want to play the mm-hmm. game. And so, the, and that's really all it is. I think the guys, they're good guys, um, and you know, I hope they, you know, continue to enjoy playing their own games. Um, but um, but yeah, it's just a mix that I'm not super not super so, happy about. So now, not having fun. So. Now now you hope to be coming back into a new group then you know with the the launch of D and D next whenever that may be. Yes, that will be part of the process. I know we've got um, my wife and I know a couple that are are might be interested in playing, and there's maybe another couple. So I'm I, I'll be grooming some more players in that six oh, okay. month time period. That's so a good idea. yeah, um, that's kind of the. Uh, the hope anyway, the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked about tonight, talk about resolutions. I don't really make those. Um, uh, it's a matter of, uh, well, you will having... tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually or not else. going to <laughs> because I don't, I don't make them because of my if own you don't, anxiety. If you don't rate. come up with some resolutions now, uh, you're off the show. <laughs> oh, <Right>. mic <laughs> drop. <laughs> for for uh, yeah. you're, you're gonna we're gonna exile you for six months or yes. so. <laughs> you you, um, can, you can have your triumphant return at a live recording at Gen Con. That'd that, be awesome. You know that might be pretty cool. We'll see how that works out. I, I will keep Jeff posted as to um, that status, and that might be a thing that happens. And of course, those of you who just love listening to the sound of my voice, all maybe three of you, um, there's. <laughs> Uh, I will still be on the news program with um, with Jeff and uh, Sam, so you'll still hear my voice and my um, wanted or unwanted opinions as to all things D and D. So, but um, no, I've loved the show. I've loved doing this podcast, and I'll miss it. But um, I, like I said, I can't do a good service to it if I'm not running any games. So there it is. I suppose yeah. we can let you off the hook this time. <laughs> Not that we could stop you, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate everything you've done for us uh, over the what year or so now that we've been doing this now. Yeah, it's been year a little longer than that, isn't it? Yeah, I want to say we started in the fall of 2012, but I don't remember for sure. 
or like right after Gen Con in 2012. Yeah, it was it was a while. I, I know <laughs> what it basically came down to was I went to Gen Con. I met you. I kind of knew Mike from before. And I said, you know what? These guys are awesome. We should come up with a way of hanging out more. Right. And that's sort of where I came up with the idea for the show is I wanted to hang out with these two, two cool guys more. <laughs> one of the cool guys. You're, you're one of the cool guys. I'm let's see. I'm going all the way back. Episode one, January 30th of 2012. So, okay, you, so. You, you are quitting on the two year anniversary episode. Yeah, there you go. Wow. <laughs> two years. Wow. Yeah. So there it is. All right. Well, yeah. I suppose if you don't have anything else and Mike doesn't have any more questions for you. Uh, I do. Um, oh, go ahead. So, so you said that you're working on uh, you're making games over the next six months. Are you primarily what you mean is you're working on your campaigns? You're working on um, your campaign for stuff? It'll be that. I'll be working on a new Monera game that I want to run um, mm-hmm. on uh, at GidCon, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a one shot, but it'll be the opening chapter of what I would hope would be a new Monera campaign, mm-hmm. um, uh, based in uh, based in Uru, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. a game by Cyan, um, and um, part of the whole myth not myth mist um, type series, but um, a more interesting part and a part that fits better with the Numenera, uh, the whole idea of what Numenera is about. So. Uh, it fits really well with that, and so I'm, I'm going to be working on that. Um, <clears throat> I'm still working on ideas for a another podcast that I'm doing, uh, which will be a solo effort on my part. Uh, so, um, all kinds of different projects and stuff. But yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what, when you're when you kind of prepare a campaign over that that long period of time, what's where does your energy go? What do you what do you spend that time on? First and foremost, which I've already started about six months ago, um, is the actual is the actual land, mm-hmm. detailing the actual land um, and and the area around it, and part of that, and which is going to be uh, incorporated sort of into the podcast, is I'm trying to I want to do a podcast where it's like a narrative, and the character's narrative relates to the campaign setting. Mm-hmm. So um, he's going – he's explaining portions of this world that he's in, but it's kind of an interesting narrative. I think um, you, not quite as dry as Richard Attenborough but um, you know, because he lives a life of an adventurer. But, um, but he sort of reveals the campaign setting uh, through this narrative mm-hmm. so, and bits and pieces of it. So each podcast would be a different little piece of the world. Um, to kind of breathe life into the campaign setting and to get me thinking about it as a as a living thing. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's where I start, and that's where a lot of the energy will go. Um, to me, adventures are you know, <clears throat> as someone who's written stories before, you know, the stories are easy. That's not the hard part, you know. And it, you, you build a dungeon, and they will come. You know, that's not <laughs> going to be difficult. So you know that that part actually isn't the hard part of it. For me, the most difficult part and the most uh, part to help bring people in is to have an interesting place that they're, you know, an interesting world to play in. Um, You know, so that's a big part of it. Uh, And so I like to throw most of my effort towards that that part. Uh, The next will, you know, there might be some interesting NPCs, but I like to keep that kind of action local for the most part. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. I don't do the whole. 
you know, um, uh, realms type of thing where, you know, you have these major giant NPCs that are, you know, the mm-hmm. movers and shakers. Yeah, right. Um, in my campaigns, I have a tendency to have, like, no movers and shakers, or in other words, a very localized type situation. Sure. Uh, you might be in one country and there may be a thing going on. If you cross, you know, um, you cross the stream and you go across to another land, things might work differently over there, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, you know, all the physics and things stay the same, but, you know, the government and stuff like that and the living conditions and things could be completely different, you know, based on, you know, uh, what it is. But you keep I like to keep those kinds of things local so that it doesn't overwhelm the players as well. That way we can start in one particular area um, and expand outwards from there. So. But that's sort of the plan. That's a very rough, rough framework. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I hope so anyway. I'm still, you know, I still love D&D, and I'm looking forward to the game coming out in the summer. So mm-hmm. yeah, very think, much looking forward I think forward it's probably to it. safe to say we all are, right? Yeah. 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 And I think one of the reasons I don't want to continue a D&D next game now is that I don't want players to get involved heavily into a game, yeah. and then all the rules change. It's, not, <laughs> it's half-baked, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah so, I'm in the middle of that problem right now. <laughs> right. So... You know, and, and not to say that it will be. I don't know what's, you know, we, it's all speculation since we don't know what the finished product's going to look like. Um, you know, I'm guessing about 90% of it will probably be as we've seen, but, you know, we don't know for sure. So I would hate to have that investment, particularly where player abilities and things like that are concerned, um, where there's a lot of ownership issues mm-hmm. um, and have those just change up after right. being involved for six months. So, right. Right. Uh, yeah. But. Hmm. All right, cool. But there it is. Well, with a minute and 43 seconds left, Mike, do you have any last uh, things you want to ask him about? Not not now. Not at the moment. All right. All right. Well, we will certainly be keeping an eye out for you. Uh, we'll be missing you. If, if, if listeners hear a, a brief hiatus in the show, it's because we're desperately scrabbling to find somebody who can fill half of Randy's shoes. Oh, please. There's, that's a <laughs> long line, guys. That's a long line. I'll drop some names for you, but, but that's a long line. But so. those people aren't the people that inspired me to get start the show. Oh, uh, mm. well, that's true, maybe. But I started the show because I want to spend more time hanging out with Randall Walker. <laughs> oh, man, I'm blushing over here. There you go. Come on. All right. Well, we look forward to, to hearing what you got going on when you do come back. Uh, we look forward to hearing what happens with uh, your podcast. Whenever it's done, we'll have to make sure to let people know about it. Um, probably easiest place will be on the news desk because you'll be over there. You can talk about it. Oh, yeah. You'll hit, you'll still hear me on every month on the news desk. So. Very good. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, with 42 seconds left, we will stop there with Randall and remind everybody that, hey, it's Noble Night time. Noble Knight's back. They're with us again for another uh, stint of a few months here, supporting us and, and showing us some love. So we want you to head over and show them some love and let them know that you that you appreciate them supporting us. Uh, Mike, you picked out the uh, the pick of the episode. So what I is did. It? It's Pharaoh, I3 Pharaoh by Tracy Hickman and Laura Hickman, published back in 1982. So it's, what is that, 32 years? Sure. That's yeah. math. That's a math. Math is hard. <laughs> uh, it's it's a you know, this is an adventure. I'll be talking about this a little bit more because um, I, I ran this on New Year's Eve and um, 
I think it fits very well with the, the same kind of style you might be used to if you played Ravenloft. Mm. Um, very, you know, not not quite a sandbox, but not totally railroaded either with lots of interesting architecture, lots of interesting sort of events going on. And actually, like a lot of those old modules, you can run pretty much an entire campaign out of a single 32-page book. There's a lot of yep. material there. That's true. It's the it's the first of the Desert of Desolation adventures, a series of three adventures that are all available on Noble Knight. They include Oasis of the White Palm and the Lost Tomb of Martek. Very good. All, and only, and only eleven dollars on Noble Knight for this yeah. well out of print book. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. It's a good series. I ran it way back in the day when I was in high school. So Yep. Wow. If you want to get your old school D D on, this is a good way to do it. Is, yeah. is, is that when high schools were held in caves? Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> no, we had yurts. Oh, yurts. Okay. <laughs> Circle I just like yurts. saying that. I heard someone say that. You use that term the other day. It was like, yeah, I totally want to. I like yurt. Yurt needs to be used more. It's there a good go. word. So, so you went to Mongolian High. That's right. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, so that's our pick from Noble Knight. If you want to check it out, find a link at thetomeshow.com. And again, make sure when you go shopping at Noble Knight, you let them know that the Tome Show sent you. That's what keeps them coming back. Hello. Hello, citizens. Oh, thank goodness. Adventurers, we need a Noble Knight. Perhaps you can slay the beast of retail and reap the promises of riches. Riches? Yes. Great prices, out-of-print games, the latest releases, and a magic box that converts all of your old loot into cash or new loot. But why? Fantastic. I'll do it. Yes. Well, you see, the beast he kidnapped the mayor and can only be slain by the most noble of knights. Yes, yes, yes. I said I'll do it. Yes, the thing is, I was talking to her. What? Fear not, kind citizen. The noble knight will save the day, rescue the lord in distress, and liberate all that loot in a way only possible at Noble Knight. If you'd like to get your hands on Noble Knight's loot, head over to thetomeshow.com and click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And don't forget to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Ha, I got to do something to help out. All right, we are back, and it is Mike's turn. Oh, boy. So I have two games, but first I have a, a confession. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a... Uh, New Year's confession. Uh-oh. Uh, I, is this going to be like is this going to be like a massively long apology about how you've been a big jerk for for the, your no. entire life? No, I don't care about any of that. Okay. Um <laughs> I, I I screwed up pretty bad in a game that I ran like 4 days ago. Mm. And it was a pretty, you know, I don't think it was the biggest mistake in the world, but it was a very clear mistake and afterwards I was like yeah, I should be better than that. Like I should have and even Michelle like afterwards was like, "Yeah, you screwed up." <laughs> and, and and basically it was a situation so we were running pharaoh to, to give a little bit of backstory um i wanted to run a new year's eve adventure for some friends and uh it was a one-shot game so i used a modification of the fate accelerated rules uh that i wrote up called dungeons of fate which is intended to um build a D sort of model around fate accelerated so instead Am I smelling of the- another future kickstarter no, because it's already done. Like, it's oh. already written. It's already online. I already wrote a whole article on Sly Flourish about it. And it's 10 pages. Like, you can't really, you can't really kickstart it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the intent is to make Fate Accelerated in a clear dungeon-delving fantasy sort of thing. 
And um, so this is the first time I ran that rule set. And if you guys have played Fate before, you recognize this. You know, very story focused. It lets people build the exact kind of character. And one of the players uh, at the table, Sharon, who is the wife of Chris, who runs the um, oh, what's the name of his podcast? Uh, uh, roll not Roll Twenty. Oh God, I can't remember the name of his podcast. I'm, I'm a no, terrible. It's not the guy you told me about earlier today, is it? It is the guy I told you about. Uh, earlier. Rule Zero. Rule Zero podcast. So, um, yeah, Chris Dudley, who runs the Rule Zero podcast, his wife Sharon plays, and we played for many years. I played with her, with both of them for like, I don't know, 10 years on and off. And uh, anyway, so her character's high concept was best swashbuckler in the desert, which is a great high concept because you can you can always kind of use that as both an advantage or a disadvantage. And they ran into a nomad in the desert. And in my mind, I had this scene that like there's two kinds of nomads. There's the kind of nomad who's trying to raid the desert for artifacts. And there's the kind of nomad who is trying to protect the artifacts from being raided. Uh-huh. And this guy was a member of the nomadic tribes that was raiding. And he came up and started talking. And then the sand shifted under his feet. Oh, she challenged him to a duel. And he drew a sword and smiled and started to come forward to do the duel. And his foot sunk into the sand a little bit. And then he screamed and fell down and his his Achilles tendon had been severed and a figure popped out of the desert. And she said, wait, I want to jump in here. And I said, and then he stabs him to death. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I didn't get a chance to do anything. And I was like, well, it was real quick. Right? <laughs> like, you, you know, even for you, it was real fast on how fast he killed this guy. And I re- and then the whole thing was like, there's three guys in the desert sand that are actually the other side, the protectors of the thing. And they were going to kind of lead them towards the pyramid. And I realized that even though... I tend not to railroad. Well, some probably would say that I railroad my games quite a bit, but I don't. I, I think I try to leave a lot of openings for the story to evolve. Even in that small scene, where I had this idea that you're going to have one kind of nomad show up, and then he's going to be killed, and that's going to introduce the second set of nomads. Um, even that was railroady enough that I didn't take the time to just say, "Oh, okay, you actually stop and save the guy," or. Maybe not. I don't know what would happen, but I should have let her jump in and I should have let her take control, not control, you know. Yeah, sure. Take control over that part of the story Mm -hmm. and see where it goes. And all of my lazy DMing, you know, ideas and skills went out the window when I railroaded it down to like, no, the guy's immediately killed and you can't do anything about it. And uh, so that's my confession. I, 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 I wish I hadn't done that and I would have been really interesting to see what direction the game would have taken if I left that open and she potentially could have saved the guy and then would, you know, who knows where it would have gone. You seized the narrative pretty hard there. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to. And, and I didn't even, even beforehand, like I, I, I'm trying to think back, like when did I decide that I had to seize the narrative? And well, you had, a, you had a specific sort of story in mind or, or, or the, yeah. the, this whole guy's existence was merely to introduce the other people as I understand right. it. Right. Yes. So, yes. so yeah, right. you, you were just trying to get to the people that you thought were important. Right. And, and they didn't, they had something else they wanted to do with that person. Right. And they didn't even know that the other guy was important. And it was one of those where, even though I, I never even wrote that down, right? Like I didn't, I didn't put it on paper. I didn't sit down and figure out the names of these dudes. I didn't, all I thought about was, oh, I should have a guy. If I'm going to have them, you know, go near, maybe this is an opportunity to kind of introduce some NPCs or show them the two different tribes. Mm-hmm. And even that was too much prep. like even that i should have just said you know here are some guys and here's what's going on and maybe we'll see what happens and then you know so so you know were we going to do our new year's we we already talked about our new year's resolutions right go for it so my so my first new year's resolution is to 
not be afraid to let go and let the players really drive the story. You know, we talk about that a lot and I talk about it a lot and I, I do tips all the time about how to let go of the story and let people go with it. And, and I apparently suck at it. So, you know, <laughs> what I want to do is more and more, let, especially in a story driven game like that, if you're playing fake core or you're faint playing um, dungeon world and stuff like that, it's really important to let the, the players drive the story. And uh, I think for us, you know, certainly in my 4E, in my 4E days long, long ago, uh, I drove a lot of it, right? Like I built out, I'm like, oh, like, I, I got three rooms set up. You're going to those three rooms. Right. <laughs> like I didn't spend two hours setting up a giant Dwarven Forge table so that you could go off and hang out in a tavern. <laughs> so um, so that's my first resolution. My second resolution is a, is a, a pretty straightforward one. I want to run 60 D&D games or 60 RPG games this year. And um, I think I, between Gen Con and the two uh, DC game days here and my regular weekly game, and we do, we're going to start up a monthly game with my brother-in-law and my niece, uh, who's just you know, brand new to D&D and just really starting to get into it. Um, I think I talked about her on the show before. Yeah, I think you did. And uh, I think I should be able to run 60 games so this you, year. So you say 60 games, you mean 60 sessions. 60 RPG sessions, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not sixty different games. That's that's God. ambitious. It, I, I you know I, I I actually figured out how many I ran last year. I put it on my website. Let me go look. I think up. I would be really happy with like a third of that. Yeah, well, I, that, I, that's the kind know, of time I, I have. So I I calculated out that I ran fifty seven last year. Oh wow! In, in two thousand thirteen, and uh, I mean you know it, what's interesting, and I thought about it, it's like this is really an important part of my life. Like it's not mm-hmm. just you know kind of a side project that I do. I really enjoy this and mm-hmm. and i feel like running those games actually feeds all the other rpg stuff i do which i'm obviously spending sure. a fair bit of time on so so i really want to run a lot of games and i've been very lucky and it's very hard i mean as as, as randall was kind of talking about it's it's hard to get the right group it's hard to get that group together often mm-hmm. yeah. both of you guys have seen this and and i think i think finding a good group keeping it together and keeping it going is by far the hardest part yeah. of this hobby by far um, and even with online stuff, which I think has a big, you know, a, a, there's a there's a lot of room there to run these kind of games online. Um, I had a, a friend of mine at work who invited me to a fake core game that he's running. And I was really like, oh, this is going to be good. And he's like, yeah, we start about 930. We end about one. And I'm like, you know, I go to bed <laughs> at 1030. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but we got kids. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. Like they can't start till then. Yeah, right. well, I got, I'm gonna have to sit that one out. You but, know? but 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 of course, my thought is, yeah, but I have kids. I can't stay up till one. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's, that's apparently what you know. That's how they. That's how they fit it in, right. and they do it on the weekend or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but still, like, and know, even then, that the online stuff is great, and I'm glad that that is an option available. But it's just not the same as sitting together with your friends and 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 playing your game and and you know ha- hanging out and having that sort of chit chat before the game starts, and then going out to sure. dinner together in the middle of it and, and all yeah. that stuff. You know? Yeah, but you gotta love the one you're with right like sure uh, if, if that's what you can get i mean it's better than it's better being the one guy in your town who likes D and doesn't know anybody else around right and i've certainly been there yeah um and my third resolution i wrote this one down uh okay and this is this is i'll i'll, I'll talk about uh murder in baldur's gate um i'm discover I, i'm not discovering this exactly but it's becoming more apparent in running an adventure like murder at baldur's gate that 
all of the players that come to my table have different desires and different expectations for what they really want in a game. And some of them are more flexible than others. Some of them are like, look, I want to come there. I want to drink a beer. I want to have a few laughs. I'm like, I want to go home. Right. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they don't really have big, and I, I'll ask, I'll be like, what is, you know, what do you want out of your time tonight? You know, like, what do you, what are your hopes and dreams for tonight's mm-hmm. game? And a lot of time I get a blank stare. <laughs> like, I don't know. What do you think I want? Like, why are you even asking? Um, but I also recognize that they do have different desires and some of them are very happy with detailed stories and interesting role-playing encounters. Some of them are happy to do kind of exploration and, and town, you know, going around and solving mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I've got a couple that are like, look, I'm, I'm there for the fights. And, and as you know, Michelle told me on the walk today, you know, we've got people like, if you don't give them a fight, they're going to start one. <laughs> yeah. And it might be, it might be in a direction that no one else wants to go. Right. Like you, I punched that guy in the face. You're like, Oh, well, now the constable's on you, you know, and suddenly you're the, you now, know. now it's a thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we had a guy where like he had the choice of murder or of, 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 you know, a killing blow or a, um, you know, just a, just knocking a guy out. And he's like, Oh, I'm killing that guy. And everyone else was like, no, <laughs> and there's all roll for dexterity to see if they can stop him from murdering a guy. Cause if he does, you know, that changes the dynamic of Baldur's gate quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so my third gaming resolution is really to try to, you know, think about each session that I'm going to run and figure out how I can tap into the things that each of the players want out of a game and it might mean like you know i'm 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 certainly not you know too high and mighty on myself to say like i that i gotta follow the walker texas ranger rule and there's got to be a fight like have one ready you know and no matter what happens like no one watches walker texas ranger to hear him have cerebral thoughts about philosophy they (laughs) they want to punch round kicks to the face right so i better have fights handy and i better have a lot of monsters ready or or you know, villains ready to throw at a party. And, you know, I should use that often just so the people that, I mean, you know, let's face it, what percentage of the D and D next character sheet is used for social skills and what percentage of it is used for combat stuff. Mm. You know, it's like 85% combat stuff on that, on that front sheet. I made that up. I I think it's a lot. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so I have to make sure that all of the interesting components that, even if I'm going with a lazy style and even if I'm not preparing a bunch of stuff, I want to make sure that I've got enough on hand so that I can tap into the interests of the, the people that bothered to show up at the table and are spending their time and their evening away from their families and away from everything else in their life that they could be doing to, uh, to play D&D. Um, so sp- speaking of murder at Baldur's Gate, I'm, 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 you know, I talked last time about kind of struggling with this adventure and... I still am not totally grabbed by it. Uh, and I think I've got the main... So there's a couple things. One is it's a, it's a bit railroady, even though they kind of say like, well, <laughs> you're kind of determining which, you know, which one of the main factions is kind of going to... You know, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, which one of the main factions is going to be a, a major component at the end. But you can't stop it from happening. Right. <laughs> like no matter what you do this event is going to occur and that kind of bothers me. So it sounds a lot like the things that we talked about when we reviewed it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, it, it, it is, it is simultaneously um, one of the most interesting sandbox style adventures yeah. that, yeah. that wizards has ever published. And yet the most railroady thing I've ever, pl- I've ever looked right. at. 
And that, you know, the sad thing for me is I really wish that I had just thrown the adventure out and kept the campaign book mm-hmm. and, and just use the campaign book and come up with my own. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of heading that way. Like I've already got, I mean, I'm still using the adventure and I do like the idea that these events kind of take place regardless of what the PCs are yeah, doing, yeah, I do too. but I'm making them much more kind of background events and then they kind of get into them. So the, the one recently is the, the hands are missing from the statues mm-hmm. and they're investigating where the hands have gone and the hands of Minsk and Boo have disappeared, including Boo. And they want to find out who. And then, you know, it's this. Yeah, I don't think, no, Boo, I don't think Boo's hands disappear. No, Boo disappears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and um, um, Boo is a hamster that Minsk holds for anybody that hasn't played Bob Butch Gate. Um, which, by the way, I'm playing right now and I love that game. I played 30 hours of a game that's been out for. 15 years yeah I, I, I played th- i played through almost all of it yeah. on the ipad yeah. and then got to where the, can you get the original Baldur's gate it's on it, it's, it's on, on ios it's on an it was, ipad yeah it's on it's on steam for the pc which is how i played it it is on steam the yeah. original Baldur's gate the original Baldur's, Baldur's, Baldur's gate, Baldur's gate too. enhanced no they both are Baldur's gate enhanced edition for both one and two okay in fact it might be on sale tonight and i think tonight might be the last uh pardon my so life people listening to this it's too late yeah, if you're listening to this, your host. Sorry. Um, oh, now I got music coming in my my headset, and I can't hear anything. Um, <laughs> it's twenty bucks. It's not on sale right now. Um, but you can get Baldur's Gate one and two for twenty or twenty four bucks. And and I played thirty hours, I think, of Baldur's Gate one. Mm. You know, which isn't bad. So. Um, so they're, they're, they're find, you know, finding the hands of the statues. Well, I said, okay, well, I'm going to bring this cult of ball in, right? There's a cult of ball that's there, and it's not really in the adventure, I don't think. But I got to have some bad dudes, and I don't know why there wouldn't be a cult of ball hanging around inside Baldur's Gate. So, you know, I'm now kind of intermixing, well, what happened with this kid? And, and you know, they did this investigation, and they, they pulled the kid's bed away, and there's a giant bloody symbol of ball on the floor. And they're like, oh, okay, this kid's into some stuff that's worse than just petty vandalism. You know, and now they're going into the undercellar to some of the deeper dungeons there to, uh, uh, you know, try to find the kid. And I don't even know what's really going to happen with that yet. I'll figure out this <laughs> this weekend. But um, so then I get onto the other thing that kind of bugs me about this adventure. There's really no adventure locations. And and there's certainly you mean not en- that encounter seen, locations, not, not just encounter locations, but I'm talking about like you know, deep dungeons and ancient sewers and mm. old, old caverns and ancient tombs and places that you would go to hunt and fight monsters and get treasure and do the stuff that is pretty typical to D and D, you know, like, and it's funny cause it's in the, in the, it's in the, the, uh, um, uh, the computer game, mm-hmm. <laughs> the computer game's loaded with that stuff. They have right. a whole city underneath the city. They have, they have the undercity, which is this ancient broken down city. That's got like a giant temple to ball in the center of it. And I'm like, why isn't that in the adventure? Um, so it, they, it means they, that they mentioned the under, undercity in, in the, they mentioned the undercellar. Oh, the right? undercellar. Yeah. So the undercellar. And what is it? It's a bar that's underneath the town. Right. It, right. And, and that, you, yay. <laughs> like that's not exactly <laughs> the most, when I think about like the idea that you need to have fantastic adventure locations, I'm just not seeing them in this module. Right. And, and so I'm making them right. Okay. Well, there's that giant mountain that's just to the east of Baldur's gate. Well, that thing could be loaded. Like what if that mountain is hollow and it's full of old, forgotten stuff from mm. a thousand years ago and the you know could have all kinds of craziness in there and part of, what, part of what you're describing is part of my concern <laughs> with what they're doing so far with next is that they're 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 missing the awesome lessons of fourth in the mm-hmm. effort to, to go back to the old you know well the, one of the things that fourth did really well was emphasize the importance of crazy fantastic encounter locations right you know 
Well, I, I know I know of one adventure personally that is far better. In fact, it's probably the best adventure that's ever been written. That's available for D&D Next right now on D&D Classics. That's ever called, been written? Ever. I'm pretty sure. And the author, wow. whoever the author is, does anybody remember? Vault of the Droclich is the name of the adventure. And whoever wrote it must have been some kind of, you know, he ought to get a, a MacArthur. fellow, huh? Yeah, he ought to be, you know, just paid to think up things like that. So, well, acor- um, According to uh, D&D Classics, the first author listed is Teos. So. Well, that, okay. So I, I, that's, <laughs> I'd still agree with that. <laughs> Um, now I got to look it up on the. I'm the looking book. at it right now. Uh, yeah, and still number two. Yep. So, um, and I haven't, I, I, you know, honestly, I haven't gone through Ghost of Dragon Spear Castle that much. Although I'll probably be running that as our second game, you know, our, uh, the game we run on weekends instead of on weekdays. Mm. And um, but I do. I looked at the Legacy of the Crystal Shard adventure, which is built almost exactly the same way Baldur's Gate is, and it's loaded with adventure locations. It's got old caves full of. What are those? They're not yetis and they're not gnolls. Some kind of monster that was in the original uh, Crystal Shard book. Can't remember the name of them. Randall, you don't remember the name of them? Uh, like horse-headed guys or something. Um, yeah, not off the top of my head. Ah, damn it. So, uh, yeah, and it's got the old Crystal Shard Tower. It's got, you know, so there's a ton of adventure locations in that one that mm-hmm. are clearly places where your PCs can go and explore and get involved in, in mischief and not worry about if they hit a guy, is there an entire army of flaming fist mercenaries ready to drop on you because you're breaking the law. Mm. And, and right now in Baldur's Gate, it really feels like, you know, everybody has to be careful about what they do. And you're pretty much walking around from bars to noble houses, to warehouses, to other places. And it's just not the fantastic element of D and I'm not, I'm not finding it yet. Yeah. I mean, there's there's part of like, you know, there's a strike. The, the sewer guys go on strike. You know, the guys that clean crap out of the toilets go on strike. And that's like, really, that's the the big draw. That's the big hook. Like, mm-hmm. I, I could see that being like an interesting side element, but that's hard to say, like, that's the main thing. So I'm I'm actually really glad that I burned through the Baldur's Gate computer game so fast because I can actually take a lot of stuff that they had in there and, you and know, bring it. it into the yeah, bring it into the game because they they had more imagination than than this than this adventure seemed to have. Of course, that ignores the fact that the Baldur's Gate computer game happened like 120 years before. No, I mean, I'm, I don't need like <laughs> I just need the places for them to go. Oh, sure, right? Like I just need that ancient temple that's underneath the city, and mm-hmm. I just need some of those caverns and stuff. You know, the problem is sewers are getting old, and I've run like three city adventures in the last couple of years, and they all had like sewers, you know, sewers filled with bad guys. Well, that's getting tiring. Sure. So. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. But the hard part is, you know, in a game that's very open ended, and 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 does have a sandbox element, the thing I really want to work for is making sure that with each session, I'm I've I've got enough on hand and can steer the game enough to make sure that all of the players are engaged, um, because okay. it's 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 tough. Like and it, you know it, even when I'm sitting back and letting the players kind of guide where they're going and guide their actions, well, three of them may all want to go in one way and they're the majority, so they go that way, and the other two are like bored, you know, they're bored to death because that wasn't what they wanted, mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm like, well, it's not my fault. You guys chose where you wanted to go. <laughs> you know, you guys all discussed it, but it is. I do still have to find a way to steer it and say, right, okay, you want to make sure, you, even if that's the way yeah. they decide, you want to make sure everybody has fun. Right. Majority rules isn't the way to run a game like this. Right. You know, everybody's got to have stake. You know, we had it where the majority ruled, and it meant one of the players went off on his own. I had to do a whole little side adventure sure. with him, and 
that wasn't the right way to go. So anything that ends up splitting the party, I think, is probably a bad way to go, too. Yeah. And, and it means that just voting on a direction, sometimes it needs to be unanimous, not just mm. majority. All right. Well, your time actually ran out a little while ago, but uh, I forgot to turn my ringer up. So How you could that hear. possibly happen? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that so, never happens. <laughs> so any, any last thoughts you want to share or any questions, uh, Randy, you might have? No, it sounds like your plate's full as always, Mike. It's going to be awesome stuff to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be it'll be sad not having here to to to. That's all right. Help me That's out. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, before we head into my section, let me remind people to do, don't forget to use the links at thetomeshow.com to, when you go shopping at Amazon. You get the same exact same Amazon, but the Tome Show gets part of the credit, uh, and so we get they they kick us a, a gift card every every month or so. Um, depending on how much people spend over there. The same thing happens over at D&D Classics. If you get to there through our link, then we get a, a little tuppence of that. And that, you know, again, gift card credit so we can buy products on D&D Classics and, and use those in reviews and what have you. So don't forget to do that. And now my turn starts. Yay. Um, so I, as you are probably aware, because we had crazy difficult times scheduling stuff in December, um, I was pretty crazy busy uh, the last month or so, preparing to take the GRE in an effort to uh, apply for a PhD program, which I'm concluding that process this month. So Awesome. Um, Well, we'll see. I'm not in yet. (laughs) So... um, so while that was going on, I did I did manage to also play a couple of games, and then the holidays happened, and we t- we've taken some time off, and and you know just a few weeks here and there off. We'll start back up in a couple of weeks here. Um, but I've played once or twice since the last time we we chatted. Um, last time we chatted, I was talking about um, wrapping up the campaign, and that it's we're st- we're still I would guess five or six sessions away from wrapping up, so we're not ending anything real soon. Uh, but I wanted to at least have the end in sight. And I wanted to make sure, as I was fast-forwarding through some things, and I wanted to make sure I didn't leave off any important storylines and, and what have you um, that I've laid out for the players, you know, since the beginning of the campaign. And so you, what, you guys suggested that I, I just have them, you know, write down, hand them all a note card and say, write down the things that you want to make sure we, we you know, the, the loose ends we tie up before the end of the campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. Uh, and I think only two of them handed me cards back. Oh, there you uh, go. The rest of them just didn't even care. They were they were happy to go along for the, <laughs> the ride. <laughs> I think they, they wanted to see the big storyline wrap up, and the rest of all all the other sidetracks and background things and and all that that I'd woven in since the first session uh, was I think fairly unimportant to them. So, uh, so that that happened, and most of the things that that, that were brought up, and, and it's interesting because the person that seems most in invested and interested in some of the side quests and, and things going on is the person who least engages at the table, hmm. right? Hmm. He's the guy who's always got his head down or he always goes and lays down over on the couch and, and pulls out his phone <laughs> or whatever. So he, he's barely paying wow. attention, but yeah. he has stories. He, he wants to see. I've had a lot of disinterested players. I never had one that like went over to the couch. And <laughs> Not quite a, that bad. Yeah. Nap. <laughs> oh, he, he has laid down on the floor with a pillow before. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and, and in fairness, he has, uh, I think, some sleeping uh, disorder thing going on. But 
Um, but yeah, but but he also is really engaged in story. So when I can directly hook him and tie him, he he's in, right? He's interested. Uh, you know, he still struggles sometimes to keep his eyes open, but that's more a function of who he is and not not his interest in the story. You know, um, and so I've I've worked out a bunch of stuff with him, and and um, I've got this little side quest going on where he he found well he, they they fought some orcs, and one of the the orc chieftain had this this metal symbol like growing out of his arm. Hmm. And when this character killed the orc chieftain, the symbol leapt out of the orc and into him and then slowly started talking to him. Okay. And then over time started helping him out with things. Um, and, and so we did some out of character uh, conversation about some things. When, when we did our big time jump, you know, some of the things that happened with him and the, the, the conversations he had and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, yes, you're going to attack this, this, uh, the Earth Temple uh, with the dwarves and all that. I will totally help you out with that. But you probably want to do it on your own. The dwarves may not, uh, may not appreciate the kind of assistance that I will provide you, hmm. you know, because it was summoning hmm. devils. Um, what he doesn't know is that the symbol is actually a conduit to Asmodeus. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, because I figure the whole story of Therizdun, who is the, the big bad guy of, of the temple of elemental evil, right? Or the return yeah. to anyway, basically uh, an elder God. Yeah. Right. And it's the elder God that it's like all the elder God, right? He's yeah. the one, he's the one that all the gods teamed up against good, ba- good, evil, whatever. They all teamed up because this guy had to be contained. Right. Right. So, yeah, Asmodeus totally wants to see him contained, hmm. right? And he's he's on the same side as as Moradin, who's one of the other patrons uh, for, of one of the PCs. Um, you know, they all want to see it see it contained. But if he's got an agent in the field, mm-hmm. maybe he can also spin the whole thing to his side, yeah, you know, right. to, to his advantage. And that's that's what's happened is he's slowly corrupting this guy, um, and slowly his his alignment is, has shifted to the point where now he's lawful neutral. Um, whereas he started as lawful good, uh, and he's more and more willing to, to make compromises. You know, over and over again, he he very clearly made it made it made it obvious to me. I am willing to do whatever it takes for the greater good. Okay, well, making deals with devils, I guess, is in that <laughs> you know right. in, in that wheelhouse. Right. Um, and so that's that's interesting, and that's going very well. Um, hmm. And and the last session went sort of uh, pretty smoothly. Uh, it was it, on one hand, it was just just another session, right? But we cleared out another third of of the inner the outer fane of the temple, and we're making good progress, and we're integrating a lot of story. And I think they're happy with where it's going. Um, I did have one complaint two sessions ago, though, and I don't know remember if I talked about this last time because I'm not sure if it came up yet. Um, when they got to the outer fane, the game got a lot harder, a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And they weren't ready for that. Did I talk about the uh, in, the increased deadliness issue? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm not recalling that either. So most of the games at the to the most of the game to this point has been kind of a cakewalk, right? And and D and D next has failed to challenge them at every turn. Right. Right. You know, taking they're, they're, they were you know fourth level characters taking on fourteenth level dragons and winning. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but part of what's going what, what's going on is that the outer fane, because it's more sandboxy designed, everything's at fairly equal power level, right? Everything in that entire two hundred some odd room dungeon is within a range of like you know two or three levels of each other. Hmm. So you get to one point where you're you're able to take them out, and the rest of it all becomes easier and easier and easier because you're gaining levels and they're not. 
Uh, right. Or even if they are, the most the most you can do as as a DM really to just as just the most you can justify is throwing more of them in. But mm-hmm. throwing in more first level warrior guards isn't doing a whole lot more. You know, they're they're effectively minions. Well, doesn't it, the math works in better favor though, right? Like. Well, if you, that has not necessarily been my experience. <laughs> okay, I mean, do you guys have pretty high ACs and everything like that? They well, and part of the issue is that um, I haven't changed like most of the treasure and stuff. So it's third edition style magic items. Ooh. In next, <laughs> so they're way so they're way over magic. What's yeah. the what's the highest plus on a weapon? Uh, plus one or plus two. I mean, they don't okay. they're not grossly plus, but okay. But they okay. but all of them have magic magic weapons at this point. Yeah. Um, and I've done some interesting things with that to make it make it fun too. Each, every magic item they've gotten, there's no such thing as just a plus one item, right? I've I've given all of them names. I put them on. I print them on cards with pictures of what they look like, and you know. Oh, cool. Yeah. So so I've done that. I've tried to do that with almost all of the magic items throughout the whole thing, and that way it's also like you know even each potion has a card. Oh, you use that potion? Okay, hand it to me. Rip. You know that potion's gone. Right. And, and that's that's how we've been tracking treasure. And it's been working really well. But once they got. Once we fast forwarded and skipped the like two of the temples, half of the temples of of the the outer fane or the I'm sorry the the crater ridge mines, mm-hmm. and they were ready to go into the outer fane, suddenly the power level jumps way up, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you're getting into the actual masterminds behind the whole thing, right? The elemental temples were all were always just, just sort of puppets, but there are these these doom dreamers in the in the center part that are actually the masterminds that 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 you know put the whole thing together, right? Well, the power level jumps up like five levels, hmm. and suddenly you're you know their one of their first encounters is oh and here's a couple of assassins and they turn invisible and they study you for a few rounds and then stab make a save or die, hmm. and they're like what we've never run into save or die effects before <laughs> <laughs> we've been playing for for six years now and it was mostly fourth edition and we've never like this is a whole different game than we signed on for right uh, you know but okay one time whatever. Um, and then like the next big encounter, oh, here's the, the master of the whole place. And the first thing he does is cast disintegrate, save, oh. or, save or die, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so, so within one yeah. session, they had like four instances of possible save or dies. Wow. And is so, it disintegrating next to save or die? I thought it was like a, just a boatload of damage. Um, oh no, disintegrate old school is yeah. Well, but I, I know old school it is, but in next I think it's a in next it's a boatload of damage, but it, but it, I think it effectively turned. Well, no, no, you're right. It's it's a, it's it's a boatload of damage, but if that boatload of damage takes you to zero, you, then you're it, it, to it, right. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, I had a, a little mini rebellion after that session of. You know, th- we've been playing even this campaign for several, for many sessions now, and suddenly the game changed on us, and you didn't let us know that was happening. Like, it's, it suddenly turned into a very different game, and we weren't right. expecting it. Hmm. Um, and so I had that to sort of deal with. You know, that's my, my confession, and they, and they, Mike. And they took that negatively? Well, at least one of them did. Okay. Right? He, just, he just wasn't ready for that and, and wasn't yeah. expecting it. And, and yeah, was, they don't know that their lives are on the line. They can make it. Right. Yeah. They don't want yeah, to have that strong on them. They don't know their lives are on the line until they are on the line. Yeah. You know, if there right. isn't something and, and you can I'm not I'm you know. Pardon me while I jump in and tell you what you should do. Well, and I think <laughs> I think part of the issue was that um I gave I gave out some of some of our NPCs and had some people stat out those NPCs mm-hmm. uh as as player characters and level them up and all that, and he took on one of the 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 NPCs. The other two that were supposed to take the NPCs didn't never did anything with them, and so they just didn't go along. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually sent out his NPC, and it was that NPC that was hit by the disintegrate and died. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for taking all that time to make that NPC that made it through three encounters. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> you know so I kind of I kind of think that was part of it too. Is that he spent you know an hour or two making yeah. an NPC and then it died after three encounters. Um, so that was something I guess I had, I needed to, to communicate better. And, and, and now they sort of know what's going on. And they, and actually, I think it's, I think it's a little ironic. I think there's only a handful, there's maybe half a dozen save or die possible effects. Mm-hmm. And when they happen, they tend to happen at really big moments. Like that one character can pull off two mm-hmm. and he got away. So they'll go run into him again and they'll run into those effects again. But I don't know that, that there'll be very many other times that they'll see that, mm-hmm. you know? So... I don't think the game had changed as significantly as as he felt it did, mm-hmm. but they ran into four of those six effects that are save or die in yeah, one right. session, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, so it felt like it was over, you know. Then the next time, next session we played, and and there was none, right? They didn't run into any of that, and it was and it was all back to the same old well, happy, happy go lucky. Yeah, save or, save or dies in particular are kind of like a whole different, you know, a whole different level of play, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can throw guy big dudes that throw lots of damage around and hit really hard or hard to hit or anything like that. And then people go, Oh, that's hard. But then you get like that one thing where it's like, wow, if that, if that beam hits you, you're hosed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's, it's so rare to see nowadays. And, and, and design wise, like it's clear that even in, in wizards, they're trying to figure it out. Cause they're like, I think the Medusa has two different versions, right. Mm-hmm. Where the Medusa's gaze is sometimes the four E style of like multiple saves or die. Right. And then they have another one. It's like, if you want to, you can give them this one, but you know, people are going to be mad. Mm-hmm. No, so, and, and I think interesting. I think that's yeah, and so I think yeah, I think you're right, and, and I think like what they've done with disintegrate is their way of trying to find a compromise, right? It's almost a save or die. I mean, if mm-hmm. you don't save, you take a bunch of damage, and if that damage drops you to zero, you're disintegrated, right? No chance of res- no body to resurrect or whatever, right? Um, so the consequences are, can be severe, but at the same time, it's not just a straight up save or die. It's a save or take a bunch of damage. Yeah, and then die, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, they, yeah. It's it's funny because in in uh, the Baldur's Gate computer game we were talking about before is set in AD and D rules mm-hmm. or second edition rules, and there's a ton of saver dies, and it's amazing how battles go from pretty easy, just have your fighters go up and smack them until they're dead, to wow, I'm totally hosed. Yeah, you know, I've gone from fine to totally hosed, mm-hmm. and it's not even saver die spells; it's like confusion. You know, yeah. but confusion lasts for so long that, you know, it might as well be dead or, or a whole <laughs> right. person or a whole person. Yeah. Right? Which, yeah three people, one spellcaster cast on three people and you're held for like in, you know, forever. I go get a cup of coffee while I wait. Even if I win, I got to go get a cup of coffee. Yeah, right, because you guys still got to wait it out. <laughs> I got three guys that are sitting there, there. There are some flaws in the design of that game. <laughs> well, what, what's interesting. Think about that. Think about that, though. Is it a flaw in the design of the game or is that a flaw in AD&D? And is that oh, particularly both. a flaw of the way save or die spells work? Like it's one thing to hold somebody and which is, you know, you're immobilized for one round, which is kind of the 4E style mm-hmm. to, you know, you could be coup de grade and you can't do anything for one, you know, 1D4 plus level mm. rounds. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's both. And I think that, you know, when they designed the game, they could have not been so married to the exact rules of AD&D too. I, no. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I I still kind of like it. Like, I'll just load the save game. I don't care. Sure, but um, you know, it's it's fun to actually see how those rules work. Yep. Again, after I so think long. there is a good story way to integrate those into the game, though, without totally freaking out your players. Mm-hmm. And that's to have the bad guys use their 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 saver die effect on a minion 
when the players are watching. Yeah. So in other words, you know, you know how, you know, fool or whatever. And he zaps the guy Mm -hmm. and you and the players, the characters immediately see that. And the players are now warned. Whoa. He has an effect that can kill you dead. Yeah. Now, I thought it was clear that they were moving into a much more dangerous section because just getting across the bridge to that part of the dungeon, you have to get past these lightning towers and they had to cover everybody in endurance spells or resistance spells or whatever. Plus, they put up up some kind of of mechanical device to to guard themselves from it. I mean, they went and, and then they had to continue to heal along the processes. Like, it was really rough just getting in the doors. Past wow. the lightning towers, I'm like, okay, well, clearly they got the message that 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 stuff just got real. You right, know? Yeah. <laughs> now it's hard, you know. And and but you know they didn't, they still weren't ready for the save or die thing. So yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, Randall has a, a pretty good point, which is how do you show that specific thing? The yeah. the, the problem is even if they know that it's there, what's the option, right? Because if you say like I've got a you know there's a bad guy and let's say he only has one right let's say he's whatever level it is 12 so he's got one six level spell mm-hmm. and it's disintegrate and you even have like a little you know you send an email that has a little background story you do a little bit of flash fiction mm-hmm. of how the guys you know some other dude came in and says hey I'm sorry I screwed up and the PCs you know you know the PCs got through but you know I'll serve you well and he goes ah, I don't think so zap and hits him with the disintegrate and now your all your players are like wow you know that guy's got disintegrate well then what are they going to leave you know <laughs> then they just know to be appropriately afraid of him when they see yeah him. <laughs> I guess and then they could yeah. still get totally hosed if they fail that save yeah so it's, see it's, I know a lot of parties though that if they get that inkling it, it's it's then like a puzzle and a challenge sure and it's like okay this guy's got disintegrate or at least they're mentally ready for it you're right how it's do we stop that and the really good players but how do you stop a disintegrate a boss with a disintegrate spell. Well, and then and that's how you allow in the campaign setting, um, you know, if the player is clever enough and says, I wonder if there's somebody we could ask about this. Hey, is there a sage? And then I go, you know, mm-hmm. there is a sage. <laughs> you pay him the right amount of stuff and maybe he'll tell you a way to get around yeah. that. Well, that would be interesting. Maybe you have yeah. a, like a, a tiny little subquest that says, hey, you know that thing that you love? Well, I'll trade you a gem that can absorb a single disintegrate spell. Right. You know, it's a ring of spells. What is it called? Not, or maybe even spell turning, right? Some kind of shield I'll give you or something. One shot yeah. spell turning mm-hmm. thing. Exactly. <laughs> and then you can turn to disintegrate on the bad guy. Yeah. Sure. So, you I know, I, I think there's, and that's the, I think, I, you know, and I don't know if they'll do it for the D&D next, but. That was kind of the thing I was kind of hoping for with the monster descriptions for the powerful monsters. I wanted, you know, I I don't think there should be a Medusa in every campaign. I don't think there should be. Um, uh, I was trying to think of another example. That's the one that first comes to mind. But there should be a rust monster. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I guess my point is it's another one for creatures that have very powerful abilities, mind flayers and things like that. There should be ways they should have um, Achilles heels. Mm-hmm. That the players can find out. Now, yeah, you're going to get metagaming where the players, you know, buy the monster manual and find out. But um, for a lot of players, you know, they're going to realize that spoils are fun anyway. So they're not going to do that. And they're going to see it as a challenge. And I think if you set it up ahead of time, it's like, you know, every monster has a way to be defeated. Mm-hmm. You just got to find out how. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, even video games do that. Point, yeah. Right. Even video games do that. And they've done that since arcade games. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to shoot through the hole or you had to shoot when he was blinking or you had to shoot, you know, mm-hmm. there was some kind of effect or thing that you had to do to help defeat the monster. And I think those are would be good to include, particularly in, in for very powerful monsters, some kind of epic legend or some kind of thing that would um, allow you to defeat it. So. I, I am reminded of the Dungeon Master's Guide, the first edition AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide, where they talk about destroying artifacts, which is kind of a little different thing, but it's sort of the same as as killing a giant monster or, or a special monster, and that they had these very, very weird um, ways that you could destroy certain artifacts, like crushed under the feet of a thousand ants or, you know, that kind of stuff. And those are very interesting things. And so the players have to start thinking, it's like, okay, he can be killed, you know, by a mouse. So how do you do that? Right. You know, so mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing, I, you know, I'm hoping for that. If not, you know, if, the, if that's not in the rules, great. Uh, maybe make that's, it up. Maybe yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Interesting. Well, we're at about an hour, so I will mention quickly my resolutions for this year, yes. my gaming resolutions. Um, th- and they, they go kind of hand-in-hand, hand and, and they tie in, I think, fairly well to the fact that we are we're, – we're, po- we're basically post-playtest for next, but the game's not out yet. And mm-hmm. so my resolution is that I want to run several, at least two or three one-shot games trying different systems, mm-hmm. and I want to play one more fourth edition campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are the things I want to do, and I want to do them all this year and before we get we get next out, and I engross myself entirely in playing next for the next you know eight years. Mm-hmm. Good so. luck. Those are good ones. That's a good challenge. And one of the game, one of the one shots I'm going to run is Aeon Wave. Ah, great. So there it is. By the way, that's available for sale now. For sale right now from yep. was it AeonWave.com? AeonWave.com for for, <laughs> for just ten dollars. Ten bucks. It's a great product. For a game system, you can get for free. <laughs> Use as a game system, you can get for free. Well, that's right. right. No, that's what I mean. Yes. Good. All right. Well, that's the end of us. That's the end of the three of us together. That's right. Yeah, sad. It's sad. Uh, we'll be together again. I like the will. idea of getting together at Gen Con. Gen Con. Yeah. And we'll actually schedule it. So it'll be a scheduled thing, and, you, and we'll have to actually do it. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to pre- previous years when we say, "Yeah, we should totally get together just in somebody's hotel room," and they never do. <laughs> but it can't be on Innies night, so. Okay, we'll do it during the Innies. No. Yeah. <laughs> What's it during no. the Innies? Are you going to win an Innie? No, but I like to go to the Innies because uh, it's a great I party. I don't like going to the Innies. I don't like going to the Innies. It's boring. I want to play games. The only, the only, I've only gone to the Innies once, and it was because I had good friends that were nominated that year. Yeah. I think was was that you and Tracy in the same year? Mike? Me? Yeah, I, I was that the one in the hotel? No, that was the one in the in the convention center. Uh well I know I think Tracy and I don't so I was not nominated. I was only nominated once, and I don't think Tracy was nominated. Oh, but before. Tracy got the honorable mention. She got the honorable mention yeah. the year before, I think. Okay. And yeah, and I stopped submitting myself just because I don't want to go. I don't want to go <laughs> and lose. Yeah. Uh, of the of the six, seven years that I've done the podcast, I think I've submitted the show twice. Yeah. I mean, getting nominated is worse than not getting nominated. Because <laughs> oh, okay. the problem is, like, then you got to go, and then you lose, yeah. and then what? Like, you're like, wow, well, there was two hours well spent. Guys, yeah. I like to go because it's a party, and I get to hang out with a lot of friends. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, you, you know, I just yeah. 
you like it, you like it. But no problem. If you know where those people are going to drink afterwards, you can yeah, still, right. you you just can still have party. that same party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but see, there's drinking there. That's that's the true. Thing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Very good. All right. All right, gang. Well, guys, it has been fun, and I'm sure we'll get together again. Um, I hope you guys have fun and productive games for uh, for this year. So, well, Mike, that's my wish for you. Been a great, it's been a great two years. Mike, I'll been. see you next month. And yes. Randall, you're off the show. You're fired. <laughs> I quit. And I'll see you, quit, Jeff. And I'll you see you. Can't a couple- fire me. I can't quit because you're fired. <laughs> I'll see you in a couple weeks for the news desk. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Say bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.